Wayne State lads are executing a couple of the IRA lads, or was it the other way around? My name is Matthew Kroll. And we haven't been rowing. I don't think we've been rowing. Have we been rowing? My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film The Banshees of Irishirin. Irishirin? Irishirin. I think it's Inishirin. Irishnirin. It means island of Ireland yeah. because it's not a real it's place. It's not a real place. Martin McDonough uh, pulling all kind of shenanigans to get us on board the island. Um, and this was a great. Uh, opportunity for us because it was streaming and we needed something that we could watch very quickly. We are trying to get to a couple other movies this, uh, uh, you know, as we lead up to our best of 2022. Uh, coming to you May 2024. Coming to you uh, October of 2025. Um, yeah. This, The Banshees of Inisherin also appeared on Barack Obama's top 10 list so I think it was apt that we do it. I think, do should we base our viewing habits just on what Barack Obama has picked? No. Why not? I, I like him a lot but he's not the end-all be-all Film reviewer, or, 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 you know, what? here's the thing. This is what I like about Barack Obama's list. Yeah, he just is like, hey, these are my favorites. Yeah, and that's it. Like it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not like he's full of himself enough to talk like for an hour or more every week about a specific movie for like years and years and years. He just like, hey, you know, I like these movies. You know, like it's nice. Yeah. Well, you know, and and the thing I think about it is that he's got good taste. Uh, you sure. Know, uh, well, yeah, that that helps. Yeah. Um, although Top Gun Maverick is appearing on everybody's top ten list as like number one or two right now. How do you feel about because, that? Are, do, do, so yeah, yeah. I <laughs> look. I think it's <laughs> okay. No, okay. it's a two, okay. two part answer. Yeah. Two part answer. All right. I don't think <sighs> it's awesome. It <laughs> is awesome, yeah. and I think the world weirdly needed Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> Like, it's just a dumb sequel to Top Gun that is just fun and, like, it's a movie. <laughs> like, it's just, it's great to watch. And I think people missed that feeling, so I understand why it's on everyone's lists. Right. I don't think it makes my top ten. I, I, that's, I, I think that's the thing I struggle with as well. Is that... I think we we stuck with movies. Like like overall, we did stick with movies, and right. we watched a movie a week at the very least. Right. Like so, movies so didn't go know... anywhere for us. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, it just changed where we watched them and how the level of pants we were wearing. Yeah. Uh, not at the movie theaters, though. I mean, I still go pantsless at the movie theaters. Um, yeah, but yeah, no. There's also a lot that. of conversation about uh, Top Gun uh, around Best Picture. I think it's been nominated for a Golden Globe right now for Best uh, Picture. Um, and there's a big push for it to be nominated for Best Picture. Um, we'll see how that plays out, Johnny. It it will be nominated. <laughs> there is no question that it will be nominated. It will not win, but it will be nominated for Best Picture. I, I could see that happening as well. I could I could certainly see that happening. Um, Matt, last week you asked a couple of questions, which we got a, a flurry of responses to. Uh, the first of which is, where do you listen to the podcast if you listen to it at all? Uh, yeah. Of course, you wouldn't be answering that if you hadn't listened to the podcast. Of course. <laughs> no, I, I, I am so... I am so moved that everyone answered my dumb question. Yeah, I know. I uh, ask questions all the time. Nobody answers me. <laughs> uh, no, some people do. No. I just, I, I just, I was just curious about listening habits, and we learned a lot. I know. Well, you know what's funny is that we learned that uh, people aren't as um, dad jokey as me, which is that you know I, I presumed everyone would write in that they listen on the toilet, but nobody did, which I'm uh, frankly 
little disappointed by. Uh, but Don't worry, Sean... Don't, I'm sure someone, I'm sure someone, he, this, this is the assignment. Hey, person, yeah. listening on the toilet right now, yeah. I don't really care if you're finished or not. Yeah. Here's what you need to do. And and, and here's, it's just going to be between the, the three of us right here, okay? Yeah. You're going to flush the toilet right Ugh, now. Ready? No. Three, no, two, one, No, 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 because that's going to, you're going to touch, flush. you're going to nope, touch the nope. toilet and then touch nope. your phone? No, 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 no. Doesn't matter. The headphones, should hear what you're holding the phone up to your face while you're taking a shit and listening to a podcast? No. There are headphones or it's on a, it's already on a shelf on speaker mode. No, My it's point all, is, you could just hear it on the phone. Like, you know, sure, you know there are speakers on the it. phone, right? Yeah, you're not touching your phone while you're listening to it while you're on the shitter. You don't touch your phone when you're on the toilet? If I'm listening to a podcast, no. So you don't, oh, okay, so you don't multitask. It goes on a counter while I do my business, and then I oh, wash my multitask. hands and pick up my I, I, phone. I can listen to podcasts and do things on the phone at the same time. Anyway, I'm, thank I'm doing you for three things at once us. right now. I feel closer to you, despite the fact you're here trying to interrupt a really beautiful moment for the three of us. Right. I'm glad I took a minute for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much to the real, to the, to the, to to the, the real, real non-speculative answers that you gave that we didn't make up. All right. And a lot of emails about Glass Onion as well. We've tried to uh, trim these down to remove any spoilers for people who haven't seen Glass Onion yet. Uh, I will be reading these on the fly, and th- this first one has a—it's—it's—it happens in the first few minutes of the film. It does not pertain to the entirety of the uh, of the story, so I felt like we could include this one. Well, I did have to edit this There's one murder. down to remove a specific spoiler. But uh, Sean answered a specific question that I had last week. Uh, Sean, I heard that. Thank you. I think your reasoning is good. Uh, Sean writes, hello, Shahir and Matt. I loved Glass Onions, much like I loved Knives Out before it. So I figured I'd write in to share some thoughts. First, as requested. I usually listen to podcasts, yours included, while at work. I'm lucky yeah. enough that my work doesn't require a lot of intense thought, so I can often listen to podcasts or video essays while taking care of business. It does sound like you're on the toilet, to be honest with you. Also, the Health and Wellness <laughs> podcast that debunked workplace wellness programs is called Maintenance Phase. Yes! Also sounds like a to- uh, an illusion for going to the toilet. And it's a great yes. podcast as well. Thank you, Sean. (laughs) Now, the biggest reason I wanted to write in was the single exception. Uh, There were two reasons that Sean wanted to write in. This is the single exception to the previous note, which again contained a spoiler, and I didn't want to read it out uh, on the air, uh, where what I perceive to be a weakness is still sticking with me for a few days after seeing the movie. Now, again, this happens in the first few minutes of the movie. It's not really a spoiler, but you know, if you you want to have no details spoiled, maybe you want to skip ahead a little bit. Uh, The movie goes out of its way to display that its setting is in the early stages of the pandemic. Just before they get on the boat, suddenly there is a complete fictional sci-fi shot in the mouth, and they just don't have to worry about COVID anymore. The film never calls back to this moment, so we can take uh, so we can only take it at its face value. This is some diegetic COVID prevention means that is both real and effective. In reality, it's true that if you're wealthy in 2020 and got COVID, you had a much greater access to testing and treatment. But the rich had the real cure all along. It's a disturbingly dangerous idea to leave unchallenged since it's a real-life jumping-off point for conspiracy theories. This has led a lot of folks I've talked to to suggest that uh, since the turning point of the mystery is Miles truly being a dumbass all along, that he probably would have believed in some crackpot prevention measures that, re- um, that in reality would have been completely flaked. I like this idea so much that I wonder if it's perhaps there was the, uh, if there was a line or two in the script that supported the, uh, this that got uh, shot 
and then cut in the editing process. Uh, there's a scene where Duke, like perhaps a scene where Duke first reveals his pineapple allergy, so maybe Benoit could flatly ask Miles, what the hell was in that medicine cocktail your associate gave us on the dock? Only for, for Miles to relieve it was mostly Listerine or something. As it is in the finished product, though, no such debunking exists, so I consider this the one flaw that it was other, uh, to an otherwise wonderful film about the ineptitude of the wealthy. Wealthy. Thanks a bunch, Sean. Sean, I want to take you back to 2020, uh, 2020, when the President of the United States, one Donald J. Trump, uh, said these words, I believe, which is like, couldn't you take the, the, like the, the antibacterial and like somehow get it in your throat or, you know, like, and maybe use the sun? Do you remember when Donald Trump said that shit? Out loud, to put sun in your veins or bleach in your veins. Bleach in your veins. That's right. So I actually like this theory. Uh, and you know, Sean, you make a really good point, which is that it's not it's not ex- uh, explicitly called out. So we're sort of inferring this. But I like this theory that they shot something into the throat, which, like you say, was probably bullshit, and it just so happened that nobody on this island had COVID. Um, uh, but you know, Miles perhaps was dumb enough to believe that you could just shoot. Uh, Lysol into the throat or something along those lines. Uh, yeah. Also, also they were only there for like a day. Yeah. So like, if they, you know, the, 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 they could have all just spread COVID and gone home. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the, the, uh, I, I don't see it. Like, I, I totally get it where you're coming from, uh, Sean. But the, the, I don't really see it as a particular flaw, at least in my eyes, because th- I, th- this is my. Uh, if I'm looking for escapism, this mm. is the way I want COVID dealt with right. in my in my in my um, in my narrative content. Uh, but it they is didn't kind ignore of very it. Specific, it took though, right? Like it it's a, took it's a, place. It's, it's, well, it's a well, science fiction thing. All of a sudden, I mean, sure, 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 no. But let, let me follow me. Let me yeah. f- sort of finish my thought. Like okay. in the beginning of the movie, everyone's sort of on lockdown. It's driving Benoit a little bit crazy. Uh, it, uh, they're wearing masks. It's it's and they never reference COVID. They just reference that they're doing these things. Mm-hmm. And then when they get on the island, I think they needed a, a reason to explain it away so they could all just have the movie and we could go on with it and it wouldn't be about COVID. Gotcha. Um, that's fair. That's and fair. I think that that's why it was just sort of a throwaway thing because if it went back, and again, they totally could have. There's no question. But yeah. it would have reminded you. It would not have been escapism anymore. It would have reminded you of a very real, very deadly nightmarish time that uh sort of like was like a starting point before they kicked off into like no we're just we're doing a movie now <laughs> so I, I i i totally get the criticism and i understand it for me personally uh i i didn't mind it in fact i liked that there was just like a literal narrative hand wave yeah and it was done and i yeah. we'd never brought it up again and if you're gonna um, do a literal hand wave what better person to do it than ethan hawk <laughs> yeah <laughs> Just yeah, bring right. Ethan Hawke in to like explain everything in a movie at like minute one. Just say like we're not doing uh, this movie. You know, like bring him in to say like this movie doesn't deal with gravitational physics uh, in Rogue One. You know, remember yeah. that? Boom. Yeah. Done. Done. Uh, but th- thank you, Sean. Uh, next up, we have an email from Marcus uh, who says, "Good day, only movie podcast, longtime listener, first time emailer." Oh, thank you, Marcus. Uh, big fan of your work and a big fan of EC. Also, thank you again. Uh, just listened to your most recent podcast on Knives Out, and my family also watched it together during the holiday season. Seemed like the perfect movie for families to watch. For your question on where I listen to the podcast, I listen to it while at work, from from home uh, when I can, when I can, or straight after when I watch a film that you guys have done an episode on. Again, another two for two for work. So. Mm-hmm. 
the we're I guess I, I guess we I, are I, a, we are a productivity you, machine. Not to correct you, but I think he said uh, I listen while I'm working from home. Right, but he's working. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to the email. In regards to family movies, I have a question for both of you. Which movie is your go-to mum movie? Uh, <laughs> by which I by which I define as a good and awkward moment free film to see with your mum. I took my mum uh, one night mm-hmm. to see Pablo Lorraine's Emma since she liked his previous film Jackie. Yeah. Oh boy. I went in knowing a little, <laughs> a little about Emma, but I knew it, it was an art house film. Naturally, I thought there would be maybe like two sex scenes or something. So when the first sex scene of nudity started, I went, ah, awkward. But one more sex scene and that would be it. <laughs> then another sex scene happened and another and another and another, including a full five minute lesbian orgy. It felt like the actor spent most of the film without clothes on. I was red faced when it finished and my mom was unusually <laughs> quiet. I, I felt I failed in our mom and son movie. <laughs> Night selection. What was your favorite mom and son movie moment? And what upcoming movement movie would you suggest uh, for another mom son movie night? Thanks so much. Keep up the good work, Marcus. P.S. I recently redeemed myself by taking her to see Marcel with shoes on, and she loved that film. I think that's uh, going to appear on our uh, on our roster pretty soon, actually. Yes, indeed. Um, great question, Marcus. <laughs> I love um, this question. Uh, I have a very specific one, which was the, 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 the exact same scenario, which is that uh, I had recently been to Japan and I had read the book uh, Norwegian Wood by uh, Harakami, uh, Murakami, sorry. Uh, and, and I was, you know, my memory of it was about traveling through Japan and, um, you know, like reading about the history of Japan while I was there through this story. And what I and so when I came home, I was spending some time with my mum, and we were going to watch a movie together. And I had completely forgotten that the main thrust of the movie was about a guy's uh, uh, memory of having sex with his girlfriend in explicit detail. And I brought this film home, and our entire family watched it. And, and the problem was that was that I had vouched for it because of my memory from the book, and then forgot that the entire movie was really about. Um, sexual exploits um i also i i recall uh and again this was in a, as an adult um but i remember having takeshi Mike's um not visitor q but uh, ichi the killer which oh god yeah which I, I i would i would buy these dvds from japan you know like knowing that they were kind of like explicit movies but i wanted to see them and my mom found it and started watching it and the very first scene in ichi the killer involves um i believe ejaculate is is they use ejaculate to spell the titles of the movie out um so that was an awkward one to walk in on um but also you know what uh marcus uh, what i really like is that you have a mum and you movie date um, and I think that's, that's very great. nice. And as you get older, you will cherish that. I, I don't know how old Marcus is, by the way. Um, but I think that's just one of one of these things that's like it's lovely to have. Uh, as I said, I, I, I on this podcast, um, I think my love of movies came from my mother, and uh, there are all sorts of movies that she made me go and watch when I was younger, and it kind of got me interested in movies. And we kind of like still like doing that. And uh, she's actually like uh, a go to in terms of like willing to try movies. My, the rest of my family is not so much willing to try things, but my mom is always like game for anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just a quick thing on mine. Uh, my I, my embarrassing mom and actually dad story was when I was a child. I don't know why they thought this was a good idea, but they took me to go see uh, Howard Stern's Private Parts. Okay. Fair and enough. there's the scene. And there's the scene with the uh, woman having the orgasm on the uh, on the on the speaker. Okay. 
Uh, and that was real uncomfortable. That's like burned into my into my brain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as uh, movies coming up that I well, the, the go-to movie honestly is Jingle All the Way for the holiday season. So we tend to watch that every year. Yep. Uh, but of course, I'm going to take my mom to go see Cocaine Bear. I mean, <laughs> that's just that's yeah. just right. It's the perfect. I'm taking my kids to see time. Cocaine Bear, man. Yeah, everyone <laughs> sees Cocaine. No, honestly, uh, I you know what I you know what I want to do this. I was thinking about this the other day, even before this email. You I want to do Cocaine take... and then watch Cocaine Bear. Well, yeah, but not okay. the same day where I do this with my mom. Okay. Um, uh, I want to take my mom to go see Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. That's the. It's got because, Chris Pine, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> boom, done right there. It's mom bait all over the place. Yeah. But uh, and and, and uh, Hugh Grant. Yeah. Well, you can't lose. Uh, so so. Uh, but the reason is uh, she put up a lot with, with my D and D antics growing up, and she knows it's still a large part of my life. I as she hears looking at me now, I have uh, a bunch of miniature terrain like yeah. all behind me for my Curse of Strahd campaign. Um, so I kind of want to like take her and be like, "Look, this is a neat thing that I've liked forever." Like, and hopefully it's good. What so if that's it's what not I'm good though? Because that's going to confirm fucked. a lot then of things. What, well, then then to be honest, the opinion of it can't get any worse. Right. It's uh, it's directed by the guys who did Game Night, I believe. So I'm yeah. looking forward to it. But I did see a couple of the. Uh, I think I saw like a moving poster with Hugh Grant, uh, for the movie, mm-hmm. and it did look like he didn't want to be there. Hugh Grant, I think, uh, is uh, what seems like a villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's probably scowling a lot. Okay. Uh, also, something else I really appreciate. Now I know this is turning into just a Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves love fest, but like. All the actors are being incredibly honest about their involvement or enjoyment of Dungeons and Dragons. Chris Pine said, "Like, yeah, like when I got the role, I decided to play it once with my cousin who plays a lot." Right. <laughs> and like, and like Michelle Rodriguez is like, "No, I, me and Vin Diesel play. Like, it's like that's something we enjoy." And then like other actors are like, "Ah, eh, not really. This is just a fun movie." Like, and Hugh Grant was like, "I don't know what any of the I, when I heard Dungeon Master, I thought it was more of a sex thing." <laughs> uh, and, and like, so I don't know. I just I. I love when a nerd property gets a bunch of people in it, and they're not like, "I have I have researched this yeah. since I was nine. Yeah, this has been my life." And it, like, you're like, "It hasn't. It's and it's okay that it hasn't. Yeah. Like, you're bringing this to a wider audience." Ah. So I like that. I like that about that press tour. All right. Well, we'll see how that plays out, and we hope your mom uh, uh, enjoys that, and and maybe yeah. plays Dungeons and Dragons with you afterwards. Maybe. Uh, Jacob writes in, uh, so both of your voices are cordially invited to dine with me every Sunday. I'm a little embarrassed to send the invite over now, so I've already forced your voices attendance for so many meals. I hope you enjoy my tongue-in-cheek response to Matt's call to listeners in inexact locations. Your podcast is so enjoyable that I usually reserve it for a meal, usually Sunday dinner, unless I haven't seen the film which, uh, yet, in which case the dinner plans are rescheduled for another meal, or occasionally I'm listening during the weekday chore that does not require much focus. Wishing your voices the very beast oh thank you jacob that was that was that's honestly that so that's incredibly sweet jacob uh i will say something that i didn't know would be so complimentary or comments like that uh it feels at first you're like oh like huh another one i get honestly on ec is people tell me all the time they put on extra credits or extra history episodes to fall asleep huh and and i find that at first, I was like, "That's a little weird," mm. but I find that actually, I think it's one of the most flattering things you can you could say to a person or someone whose content that you engage with, because like that says like <laughs> the person or the thing that you're engaging with is the last thing you want your cognitive mind even remotely <laughs> dealing with before you're put into the most peaceful part of your entire existence. Hopefully. Or or nightmares. Or you just find them so boring that it puts you to sleep. 
Yeah, but I feel like if that was the case, they wouldn't say it to my face no, that's at true. like conventions that's true. and that's, shit. That's true. Uh, I'm sure that that also comes into play. Anyway, Jacob, that's very sweet. I, I I am so glad we're having uh, uh, audio, audio dinner. There's a, there's uh, every a little bit Sunday. more to this uh, email just as well. Uh, P.S. I never minded the machinations that led you uh, to your best of year episode being later in the following year. Uh, I think as long as it releases between the start of the year and the Oscars, then it sits in a window that makes some sort of sense. So we can still we can release this in October, baby, and we'll be great. No, he said, and the Oscars. Yeah. Like, he oh. wants it around the Oscars. Oh, around the Oscars, yeah. And for some reason, my so brain- For some reason, my brain thought the Oscars was at Christmas, uh, which means it would have just happened. Uh, I am firing on all cylinders today, but again, right. thank, you, and, uh, thank you, Jacob. Thank you, And we're hoping, uh, we're hoping you're listening to this enjoying uh, a fine meal with perhaps uh, a nice Chianti and some fava beans. Nom, 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 nom. nom. <laughs> Uh, okay, last one is from Steven, who says, uh, I enjoyed Glass Onion a lot more than the first Knives Out. Knives Out 1 plot felt like a carbon copy or a close copy of the 1972 British game show, game show Who Done It, uh, hosted by John Pert- Pertwee. 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 But with a car chase, uh, bigger budget, and less camp. Glass Onion is something else altogether. It's fiendishly clever slash silly and a fun ride all at the same time because it's so well done. The dinner scene might be one of my favorite subversions of the detective revealing the murder trope ever. What did you think of it? Well, Stephen, uh, I think we got this email before we had done our glass knives, uh, glass Ooh, onion, glass knives, glass knives. That would be good, right? Uh, glass onion episode. So you can go back and listen to that, uh, which was in the last week, plus an additional four hundred and something other episodes of movies as well. Thank you for writing us in, Stephen. We always appreciate the comments, and I uh, am gonna uh, uh, Google John Pertwee uh, after this, after the following conversation about the Banshees of Inisherin. Pertwee, Pertwee. What a weird, fun movie for you and I to talk about. Because, um, Matt, there's something I've got to tell you. Yeah, no, I, I was have the same thing. No, I was thinking about this. I was I, When I was watching it, knowing that we would be talking of, uh, about this movie, I was like, if one of us motherfuckers <laughs> Did was this. just like, nah. But then, <laughs> like, but then I, as I was watching the movie, I was like, is this how I would do it? Or is this how Matt would do it? Is this like, is, you know, you would just cut them off entirely. You know, like yeah, yeah but like I, I so so it, it's odd because in our in we're not on an island though we live a block away from each other so I guess actually we are on we're an not island, on an island of Queens <laughs> yeah but the uh, there's a lot of people that it doesn't feel uh, secluded yeah and um, the the idea of like ending a friendship is stuff that I've done with people in the past but normally there's like a finite thing that caused that right. to happen yeah or you just slowly ghost each other because you don't really have a place in your life for people anymore yeah. it, it's very very rarely I, I can't think of something where it's been like a, a confrontation. no i just don't like you now or we like, had to have a confrontation about it right like you don't yeah, yeah like we have a luxury of everything being so uh interconnected and like uh phones and texts and things where you don't have to have that face to face yeah uh so i was thinking about it and i was like wow what a weird <laughs> what a weird premise we you and i would have to divide up coffee shops in in, in astoria and to say mm-hmm. well that's mm-hmm. your one and then probably we'd get into a situation where we'd have to divide them by date as well. You'd be like, well, look, I'll take this one on Monday and Tuesdays. You can have it on Wednesday and Thursdays or something right. along those lines, right? Yeah. And and uh, I, I doubt it would um, – I doubt it would escalate beyond <laughs> – <laughs> 
Maybe, maybe I'm very, very wrong. But then again, our lives are not allegories for the Irish Civil War either. So, uh, it, you know, I don't know what Could our be, lives though. would be allegories Could be. for. Could maybe. be written in the written into folklore uh, that this was much akin to the Irish Civil War. Matt, could you tell us what the Banshees of Inisherin are is, is about? I sure could. The Banshees of Ed Sheeran. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I was the like Banshee that, that is Ed Sheeran. Yeah, yeah. I, and I was like, I'll sing a part of an Ed Sheeran song. Yeah. I can't think of one. Um, uh, anyway, the Banshees <laughs> of Inisherin uh, is as follows, based on the internet movie database. Two lifelong friends find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them. Alarming consequences, yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, alarming. I was alarmed. <laughs> I was I think alarmed. that's a good description. Good job, IMDb. Five, so this is- uh, Eight out of 10. This is the fourth movie by Martin McDonough and the second that we have reviewed on this podcast. Uh, I actually made the effort uh, beca- uh, because I know how much of a fan favorite it is to watch In Bruges last night uh, for the first time because I hadn't seen it before. Uh, I haven't seen Seven Psychopaths either, uh, but I have seen Martin McDonough's short film, uh, Seven Shooter, and I haven't seen any of his plays put on. Uh, he, of course, is a, a well-regarded playwright before he won an Oscar for his first short film and then propelled his career with In Bruges, uh, Seven Psychopaths, uh, three billboards outside Missouri and Ibbing, uh, which we reviewed on this podast, and and then of course uh, the Banshees of Inisherin. Um, mm-hmm. Matt, do you recall our conversation about the three billboards outside Ibbing, Missouri, or do you, do you recall um, your thoughts on that movie before we dive into? Uh, so the again, like this is the weird thing. I was thinking about that today. Mm-hmm. When I'm like, when I think about three billboards, I'm I'm always like in my head, I'm like, oh, I like that movie. <laughs> But I can't tell you much about it outside of the sort of end scene uh, with um, Rockwell. uh, Sam Rockwell and uh, Francis McDormand. Yeah. So, uh, but like, and then I sort of think about it, and I know a lot of people had some issues with that. I've talked to people that have issues with that movie, and then I, I can't. So, like, if you went back and listened to it, in fact, I should probably just right after this, just go back and listen to it just to see what I thought. Why you're uh, falling asleep. I, yeah. I have. I have. Yeah. That way. Ooh, yeah, that's that's a that's a whole new level of masturbatory I am not comfortable with. Um, so uh, I, I honestly it falls into that category of maybe it's kind of like what you said last week. Like you when you when you although you were saying when you don't like a movie, you give it sort of more of a pass when I don't remember a movie. I give it more of a pass. So, like, I think I liked it. <laughs> I, I remember feeling that it was, uh, it, uh, m- my memory of it was that it eventually lands in an interesting place, but it takes a sort of very windy, circuitous road to get there and not one that I was entirely c- convinced that I was on the ride for um, from memory. Uh, and I've, it's a movie I've not revisited. And, and as we've discussed, a lot of people do find problematic. Um, Particularly because I think uh, having now seen three of the four films that um, uh, McDonough has done, um, there, while there's a playfulness to his work uh, in terms of breaking taboos uh, and saying inappropriate things kind of gleefully, um, it doesn't. Th- there is a quality to it sometimes where it can be misread as mean spirited, um, particularly. Uh, you know, for example, in Bruges, uh, deals with a dwarf and, and, you know, makes a particularly sort of pointed, repeatedly pointed jokes about, uh, the dwarfism, um, that I think could come across as mean spirited. And it's a good joke. I believe that gets repeated again in three billboards outside of Ibbing, Missouri, um, as well. So I, I, I can see why 
his work sometimes gets gets treated as somewhat problematic, even though uh, by all accounts uh, he is a very well regarded playwright uh, and a very you know very well regarded writer. Um, but uh, I you know and again just to preface this, I was not you know despite knowing that uh, In Bruges is a fan favorite and people love that movie, uh, I was not that enamored by it to be honest with you. I kind of felt that it was like it had it, it felt very first film to me and first film in the wake of Tarantino, um, you know, with a sort of convoluted crime filled plot that has some echoes of existentialism in it. And it's, you know, perhaps maybe interesting on a, on a rewatch. Uh, but I, you know, didn't, I, I wasn't particularly enamored with it. Uh, is it young person interesting? I've seen it, but I don't remember it. Right. There you go. Maybe this is the, maybe this is the uh, common thread. Um, it, it's, yeah, I, maybe maybe yeah. If you watch it at the right time, you're like it. Also, you know, like the the sort of comparable film to me would be something like Snatch or Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking sure. Barrels. But that is a film. That's a film that is far more dynamic than mm. In Bruges was, and and you know, again, sat with me more. Um, but I will say, I absolutely adored the Banshees of Inchir. I I loved this from start to finish. Um, was completely mesmerized by it. I found it kind of hypnotic to watch because it was a so achingly beautiful and then um you know i don't i didn't want this to be a rehash of the the conversation that we had about um uh language in film but it was like watching i thought it made total sense like watching um people you, you know it, it, the, the the actual language is difficult to to watch uh, to listen to sometimes because it's hard to decipher exactly what's being said but then after about five minutes you kind of get into the rhythm of it and it's yeah. like listening to a song where you don't have to know the exact words, but you kind of get exactly what's being said. Yeah. Cause there's, there's visuals, there's other cues. So there's a lovely cadence and rhythm to this, which I think also belies the, the, the sort of escalation of the conflict that is going to happen, which, mm -hmm. you know, to quote Will Ferrell from Anchorman escalates real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, the, the, I, I was thinking about your your point about uh, or your belief of of native language in enhancing uh, either effectiveness or or however we were saying in the last two things. We're not going to rehash that. Yeah. I mean, this obviously it, this is kind of a bit of a best of both worlds because, like you sort of said, like if you speak, uh, you know, the the the. I don't know how to put it. The the version of American English that you and I speak, yeah, you can get on board with this quite a bit, like very, quite quickly, and you'll understand what's going on. You might not understand every word or intonation, but that doesn't matter because you can kind of glean onto it because the the social cues are baked in and are close enough where it sort of works. But at the same time, you are getting uh, a distinct. Well, this is a different place than where, at least for, for me, where I am from. Yeah. So you're kind of getting the best of both worlds of what we were discussing last time uh because it is a different affectation of english yeah uh and and so and you get that you kind of uh whenever you can understand a language and you're listening to someone speak it uh that is from a different place than you you do get to glean more of small uh intonations about like 
what do people think are important? Like what are like what are the things people's words are are focusing on or the or the or the tone or tenor that they hit certain things with. So there's there's a nice uh there's more information to be gleaned in mm. in that particular scenario. So I was thinking about that quite a bit. Uh, I too really like this movie. Um it it had a weird like Grimm's fairy tale vibe yeah, to it after a, fable, a while. Qu- fable quality to it, right? Ah, uh, it's so good. And so we just did over on Extra History. We just did um, the Easter Rising. Right. And that takes place in 1916. I think this takes place in 1924, 23. 23. Yeah. Uh, and the Easter Rising is kind of God. So I. We're not going to get into this too much because even after doing a five-part series, and I think our series only goes to 1917, uh, there is so much going on with mm. conflict in Ireland. Like I, it, and, and just keeping the factions straight was a, a Herculean task for our writer Rob and me, just and the artists. Like there's there's so much going on. Yeah. Um. But I I immediately identified with sort of this period in Irish history that I had just sort of learned about. That is, in my opinion, and this plays into sort of like the fableness of it, because this story is about two men who fall out of friendship yeah. uh, and 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 the way that they do it and how they act, et cetera. And every time I'm like, man, that's like union. It's like the unionist and loyalist versus the nationalist and the Republicans. Like right. I was just sort of like in my head, I was like, and because they're literally on an island and like hearing bombs go off in the Irish Civil War, which again was like, Families fighting families and getting yeah. to a point that that the conflict was going on so long and so many people were hurt, like no one wanted to give up, even though no one wanted to fight anymore. Like it just the dichotomy of history and and the surroundings of where this small story takes place. It feels like a microcosm of what was going on in that time. Um, not to mention uh, Miss McCormick, the old uh, soothsayer uh, uh, sort of. Uh, oh, oh yeah nosy neighbor yeah uh i read her as being the uk in this <laughs> because she just egged things on it was like two people are gonna die and like like she just was like constantly poking the bear the cocaine bear perhaps <laughs> uh and so i was like this is everyone's a state we're not a state everyone's a group here like representing a bunch of different people and i i love stories like that again you know, it 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 uh, it it played a little bit into sort of like mother vibes for me again. I know I referenced that movie a lot. It I get a lot of um. You know what else I got? Uh, which I didn't expect to, and I, I I didn't really see it until the end. I got a lot of the lighthouse vibes. Hmm. <laughs> like and, and again, not the weird technically you, nonsense. Because you didn't like me, lobster. Yeah, yeah, but no, but like, there's a lot of it's like two men in a small place, escalating quickly. Yeah. And things are a little weird, and the lighthouse gets a lot of weird. But you know what I mean. Like yeah. uh, this just had a lot of, and 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 I, you know, didn't fully connect with the lighthouse. This I fully connected with. Like uh, the the two leads who have not been together since in Bruges, I believe, yeah. Colin uh, Farrell and uh, Brendan, Brendan Gleeson. Gleeson. Yeah. Um, what a fucking powerhouse of getting to play two men, like one of which who doesn't, well, they both sort of start fighting eventually, but like, like just, it's so, it feels so fucking real. (laughs) Uh, I I couldn't, I couldn't get over it. You know, it's funny. And this is not, um, uh, uh, poo-pooing at all on, on Barry, uh, Keenigan who played Dominic. Um, but that felt like a character to me, mm-hmm. not not in a bad way. Just like Mrs. McCormick felt like a character. Mm-hmm. But uh, 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 Padraig and uh, Colum felt like people. 
Like they just felt like real fucking people. Yeah, I will say uh, Barry Keegan's um, his betrayal uh, because Patrick, uh, you know, like uh, tells this lie about uh, Declan's father being hit by a bread truck. Um, His sort of feeling of betrayal felt uh, a little a little big um, given the situation. But but then again, um, you know, Colm's decision to uh, to abandon Patrick is also quite a big one you know like yeah quite, quite, a lot of big swings it's quite dramatic like there's quite a lot of uh drama here um i i want to get into specific detail because i think what's great about the film is its sparseness in many way which is that you don't really like when we begin the movie with column having made the decision so we don't yeah. even get to see these two as friends we just hear about their friendship and can only infer uh, how it may have gone down. Um, so there's a lot of sparseness to it, and we're kind of making a lot of, we're having to do a lot of the sort of inference as to why it's gone this way and why Colm has made such a dramatic uh, decision to do so. Well, it's um, kind of part of the mystery, too, at least in the first third. In like the first before third. you find out, yeah, there's and, really and, no and, reason except uh, changing of people. Well, I think there, I think there is something to the way Colm, to, to what, to the sort of dread that column is feeling in his life as a musician. And essentially I, I think what it really comes down to for him is the sense that he will not be remembered, you know, like he won't be remembered like Mozart, uh, whose, uh, you know, specific period of, uh, living, he doesn't actually remember. But, um, I think what, uh, what, what's interesting here is that it is a dramatic, dramatic choice that he makes in the wake of like an existentialist dread that he has about his life. And what I love about it is that you really feel it on Padraic's side. Like it's, it's, it physically hurts Padraic because, because he's so betrayed by this decision. It is so, and you can see, I I was going to say like my, my, my poll quote for this movie is this is some of the best eyebrow acting that Colin Firth has ever done. Like those those eyebrows were like just taking the weight of Colm's decision. They get Uh, points in the back end. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was amazing to me. I, 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 again, Colin Firth, uh, uh, sorry, Colin Farrell, uh, has been putting in the work over the last few years from like this after Yang Batman, uh, you know, the Batman, uh, you know, uh, he was in 13 lives as well. Uh, he's just been putting in work and it's all really varied as well. You know, like remember he had kind of the sort of heartthrob, uh, early days from his first movie, um, with, uh, Joel Schumacher, uh, you know, and, and, you know, they wanted to put, make him an action hero, but now I think he's just like, he's aging up into what will probably be a really long, extensive career as a character actor, yeah. a character actor who happens to look like a matinee idol, um, <laughs> you know, which I, I, I think is great. Well, I, I was going to say the, the extreme, the, the extremeness of, uh, Colum's decision. And again, sort of getting into spoilers here, he gives him an ultimatum around a third of the movie. He's like, every time you talk to me. I'm literally going to cut off one of my fingers, <laughs> and and I'm hoping that you get the i you get the idea before I don't have any fingers left and I can't play the fiddle anymore. Right. Um, now this decision, and it kind of is like you don't know if he's serious or not until yeah. you find out he's deathly serious yeah. about one finger, and you're like, oh Jesus Christ! But like, so it's funny. Like you're right. There's a lot of big swings from characters here. Mm-hmm. Like there's no question, but 
th those big swings, especially because I do really believe that they are kind of tied to specific parties involved in the in the Irish Civil War. Um, just from a basis perspective, like if you wanted to boil down like the actions or the methodology of different parties, like they could fit in both uh, Podrick and Column. Because the I like because here's the whole thing, right? This is, and I think it was to highlight the absolute absurdity that the Irish Civil War turned into. Colum wants to not be uh, sitting around with frival frivolities, or he says this. He says this to Podrick. He doesn't have time for chit chat. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to work on things that will make him remembered. Yeah. Sure, that's great, except for two things. One, he still goes to the pub when Colum isn't there, uh, not always playing an instrument, so he's just chit-chatting with other people. Mm. And then two, uh, he, in order to stop Colum from, or sorry, in order to stop Podrick from coming and seeing him, he starts maiming himself to the point where he couldn't do the thing that he set out to want to do, which is so fucking telling of the goddamn Irish Civil War. Like, <laughs> It's 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 almost the, it, the cutting off the nose to spite yourself kind of thing. It's right? yeah, yeah, it's it's like it's it's you're actively hurt and and I think I don't know, you can read into this a lot in history and everyone can do their own research, but the idea of column and the and self-inflicted mutilation, I don't think is actually one side. That I think is sort of representative if or I, oh it's almost like column's music is representative of this. Because it seems like that's the most important thing to him. Actually, both characters act like the music is really important. Right. But here's the thing. I think his hand and his inability to and his choice to do it to himself is actually representative of the uh, Irish citizenry, the mm. people that weren't fighting, because they took the brunt of the fatalities mm. in, 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 in many of the conflicts. It was actually the Irish people who suffered the most at the hands of their own brethren on both sides of things. And so here, here's sort of both sides. Of, again, this is a, a wide berth reading, but there are both sides of this conflict that say that something is very important. And look how important it is. It's so important. I'm going to fucking destroy it. It's so important. Like, it's it. there's an interesting dichotomy there with the whole thing. So, like, whereas I don't mind that huge swing and that weird fable, you know, Grimm's fairy tale, like, uh, plot device for, for Call. Them, I did sort of mind uh, oftentimes the dominant character doing things like that because it felt more like there wasn't a, a full grounding of of that in my head, at least in my reading. And again, my reading could be wrong, but that was what I was going for uh, for most of it. I think the thing is, is that, um, you know, Dominic eventually dies uh, and he winds up in the in, in the river. One of the two deaths. And, and we're not certain if it was self-inflicted or accidental um, but it seems like he is quite perturbed by the way the events have turned out. But I also, I, I, I did find, I think I was disturbed by, uh, not, I found that the swing that he's upset by, by Padraic to be a little big, but then again, the thing is, the, the, the thing, the quality that I remember the most about it is how much he's being beaten by his father, you know, like how much he's being hurt mm -hmm. by his father. He was, you know, he's like, and, and how much I think everyone kind of treats it as 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 so almost funny and frivolous that he's being beaten so much but for him it's actually really real and it's very yeah. hurtful and he's got nowhere to go um and i you know and like that little that little monologue that he has when he when he talks to Siobhan um and says uh well there goes that dream 
I think is quite a it's quite a painful moment for him. Yeah. And I think it really works. I, I you know, yeah. I, I I guess what I'm saying is it's quite a big reaction that he has to Padraig's betrayal, not betrayal, but is kind of like he's no longer the nice guy thing. But at the same time, I think there is a lot going on under the surface of this character. And I think the film has actually set up a world in which we can read why he's responding. Like there is a logical um yeah nothing ever felt illogical yeah. just the just swing, like <laughs> for some reason the bigness of that character never read as earnest as and i think it's because i and, and this is, might be my fault it's because i was really stapling on this allegory of the of the surrounding world to the entire story and to be honest i couldn't place where he was in it so um i, I listened to an interview with martin mcdonough at the dga where he talks about the allegory and i, I and you know he kind of says look i didn't want to lay it too thick uh, uh, except for uh, the idea that it was brother fighting brother. You know, people who were once on the same side were now at odds with mm -hmm. each other. But I think it's hard, you know, I think you're kind of correct in reading it this way because it's it's like there's, a, you know, like on the one island, there is this massive conflict between these two people, uh, which we're not quite understanding because they were supposedly friends. And then on the other, and then there's just always these like pointed shots of another island where there is a war going on where two, you know, people who were once on the same side. So it's really hard not to do the, you know, like the inference, yeah. it's big. And I think um, the, the thing about Martin McDonough as a, as a writer, particularly in, in Bruges and um, Three Billboards Outside of Missouri, is that the closest sort of the thing that I think is aspirational about his work is that is is how close it gets to the Coen brothers. And we talked about the Coen brothers in terms of like what makes the Coen brothers so special or so interesting is they both uh, have this core belief in people uh, and, you know, people's drive to want to change themselves, but also have this sort of wicked sense of humor about how nothing they do will actually change their lives. You know, like there's a right. sort of wicked nihilism about them. And so when this film comes to a conclusion and Padraig is kind of standing on the edge and saying, I don't think this is over. I think once some things have begun, uh, they can never stop. And I think that's a good thing you realize that the metaphor that he's been working to, that he's kind of been threading through, even if he's describing it as very just like not that subtle, is a big hammer to the head of this film. But it works. And it works really well because the central conceit, the central human drama between these two people is so big and beautiful. And like, it's, it's, I mean, it's all encompassing, right? It's like, all encompassing. And, and I, there's just this one line from Padraig that I think is just brilliant, which he says, um, have you gone, I, I think the words are, have you gone mental uh, to calm? And, and he calms like, no, I don't think so. And he goes, I've got 10 fingers that says that I, that I, that I haven't. How many have you got? And he goes, I've got nine. He goes, that's one less than me. And he goes, I suppose so. I just, I think that's like, you know, like the fact that he has gone to, to the extent of like, cutting his own fingers off and he's doing it with these shears and then throwing them at Padraig's door. It's, it's enormous. It, it, like for, for a film that's ostensibly about two people, that's one of the biggest things I think I've seen in a movie this year. Yep. Right. Yeah. It's, it's huge. And, and you're just wondering what is the, th like what must have these conversations with Padraig being like when he was drunk? That led him to just finally go. I've had enough, and you're. Well, so no, when he was drunk, he liked him. 
Is that what he said? <laughs> yeah. So so he was saying he, he every, it came up a couple times yeah. in the film, and he's like, did he say something when he was drunk? He's like, no, actually, I like him best when he's drunk. <laughs> uh, and because we see him drunk once, yeah. and then when he leaves that one time, he's like, that's the, the most I'm interesting. To like him be. again, like yeah, like yeah. But that, but he says that in the way because he in that conversation he challenges Colm. He yeah. just says like, you don't need you know like you gave up the one thing about you that was actually really good, which was you were nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, it's yeah. A, that was a really uh, that was a very strong uh, yeah, it's scene with that amazing. conversation. Yeah. Uh, the and the other thing is you know going back to sort of this escalation and not being able to get out of a situation. I really loved Carrie Condon's. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to pronounce the sister's name. Siobin. Siobin. I thought it was Siobhan or Siobhan. Siobhan. Is it Siobhan? It's spelled really weird in this thing, or I can't read. Yeah. Yeah. Siobhan's character was super interesting because, like, you could tell that Padraig and Siobhan kind of, they were the only ones that they sort of had, at least in the home life. Uh, Siobhan didn't really have any, like, uh, I think when she goes to the shop, it's very telling. She's like, you never have any stories for me. Yeah. Uh, Also, the police officer says, like, says something that really upsets her. You know, yeah. he says, no wonder nobody wants you, and, yeah. and she cries herself to sleep that night. Yeah, so so then when she gets a job offer and leaves, that's sort of, I, I you know, I like that as a as a story for her, but I think it's doubly uh, bittersweet because she gives Podrick an out. Right. Uh, and he doesn't take it because of vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and so that, that was very interesting. The other thing, as an animal lover, uh, <laughs> this is a real hard movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's not that there's like gratuitous violence towards animals, but there's a main character that is a small donkey mm-hmm. that is uh, Podrick's best donkey. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Podrick has a donkey Jeannie. and Jeannie Colin donkey, has a right? dog. Uh, to the point where the dog starts taking the shears away. Because oh, that's, he want... When the dog took the shears away, I was like, my heart kind of melted a little bit. Yeah. Um, God. And so, like, when the donkey passes away due to literally choking on on Colum's fingers that he threw at his door and that's yeah. sort of the straw that broke uh Podrick's back and that's when he goes to basically tell him he's going to burn his house down whether he's in it or not. Yeah. Um the uh that sort of is such a weird powerful moment and that sort of loss of a pet was just uh was brutal and there was another really interesting thing and so the the, the way this movie ends is sort of you could say it's nebulous though I don't think it really is. I think I think it's, actually, it's building to a, a clear sort of point. Yeah, the 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 cool thing that I it was a small moment at, at the time, but the more I've reflected on it, the more I've been thinking Miss McCormick is the UK, uh, <laughs> uh, or or the Banshees. Uh, no, well, or either way, but like the UK basically was doing a power struggle, or basically like whispering in people's ears and like selling arms to the Irish to different factions of the Irish to like keep the conflict going so they could take over more of Ireland when it was done. It's fucked up. So. <laughs> So regardless, she's there on the way when when Padrick is going to burn down Colum's house. Mm-hmm. And she says something like, what are you going to do, kill his dog? <laughs> like, literally, again, it's the, it's, the, it's the first thing she says to egg on someone that they don't do or it's not affected by them. And that was the turning point for me. Because right. I knew that Colum would never hurt the dog. No. Like and that Colum again, it's 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 a big swing. It doesn't quite make literal sense, but Colum will literally kill his old friend in a burning house when he lights it on fire. But he will not hurt that dog. And there was that was an interesting turn for me for the allegory because I, it's, it's sort of represented like you know the 
the the worm tongue of it all, uh, be it Miss <laughs> McCormick or UK or the UK or anything like, was losing its effectiveness at the end, and that's why you have you have I, I had sort of faith that it would be resolved eventually one way or the other because he doesn't do the fear mongering thing that she is she mentions to him. Hmm. Uh, there's also. Uh, I mean, when Ms. McCormick, Ms. McCormick's the most interesting fucking character in this movie <laughs> because even when she's across the lake and like waves for Siobhan to come to her, this is why I think she's the banshee. But but my point is, <laughs> well, sure. But like my point is like that to me was like her trying to egg Siobhan on to like stick around. There's no, you still have but a also, thing here. But, but isn't it? Uh, I mean, isn't she with um, Brendan Keegan's uh, Barry Keegan's character at the time as well? Who ends up no dying idea. in that water? Sure, you know, like it's like he's again she's, the UK baby. She's the My siren is, call. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it, I don't know. I there's so many fucking layers. This movie can't wait to watch it again. It was such uh, I don't want to say like it was delightful to watch, but I wasn't like it. It was a complicated film. I wasn't happy and smiling and giggling though. There was very funny parts. I wasn't sobbing often until the pets started dying. Uh, I, I, found, I, I honestly, I found it magical. I actually found it magical the whole way through. That's kind um, of a good way to put it because yeah. it, it encompasses a lot of different emotions at the same time that a lot of films don't. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it had a it had a Grimm's fairy tale sort of magical magical vibe to it that like you're in this very real place with an extreme thing happening, but there's something else. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, I don't know. This movie's fucking great. I, I, is, I, I mean, this is the best picture contender for me. Yeah, uh, I, 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 you know, again, appears on a lot of top ten lists, um, and I think, I think it is absolutely wonderful. And you know, um, I, I think I also, uh, what makes it wonderful as well is that we also watch it from the point of view that men are idiots. You know, like, like the, like Siobhan, you know, kind of sits there observing, you know, like, uh, I think at one point Colm says, oh, he's, he's just so dull and he's so boring. He's like, and she's like, you live on an island. You're all fucking dull. You know, like yeah. you're all. And she's like, and she's like, he's always been dull. Yeah. What? Like this change? Like, oh, well, I changed. I need to make more of my life and mm. whatever. And he's like, you're living on a fucking island. Like, mm. what are you doing? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And again, it's, it's all, it plays into. <laughs> It plays well, I, I can I can see that, you know, like uh, I think even Colin, when he goes to the priest, you know, he talks about the despair that he has in his life, which is that. And, and you know, he, he's obviously playing a little bit older than um, Colin Farrell's character in, in that he's close to death. I actually did read, uh, you know, like I was watching it with a read and maybe this was just my optimism side kind of coming through thinking that um, he had he, he was dying in some way or there was some disease and that when when the donkey died it was because the donkey ate the the diseased finger or something along those oh, lines. Oh weird. Well that that was taken out of I I thought that at the very beginning but then he's like are you dying mm. and he's like no. I mean not more than usual like yeah. eventually we all do but no I'm not sick I'm not I don't have a disease. Yeah. Like, I just I I was like thinking that it was going to lead to something like that but I think it led to somewhere more interesting than what I thought it was going to be. And and I, you know like that uh, that that sort of unresolved ending leads lets the door open up a little bit more into something you know a little bit more profound and a little bit more uh with a little bit more room to breathe in and and um i just really felt enamored by the whole thing and i you know again there's a sort of um rhythm to the whole piece that is just delightful to watch and i love like i i love seeing you know because padre i guess the thing is 
you know, when it comes down to it, I really did feel like Colm was the asshole. Like I, I was, I was absolutely certain that Colm was the asshole the whole way through. And Podrick's turn was kind of like, yeah, how much more of this is, is he going to take? You know, like how much of, uh, how much of this sort of like inability for Colm to just to say, I guess Colm does say, but then once he starts cutting his own fingers off, you're sort of like going, what is happening here to this person? Here, you know? Here's why Colm's the asshole. Yeah. Colm is the asshole, right? You can, you can not want a person in your life anymore. Mm. Like that's for, for literally any reason, for the same reasons that Colm does it. Yeah. Because he just doesn't want it. Yeah, just, that's fine. Just, that's totally fine. And it, it, sure. It's how you do it. It's also blaming, it's also attributing your own self-mutilation to the other person. Sure. I mean, that's the extreme end of yeah, it. But yeah. like, I, I I was going more along the lines of like, if you want someone out of your life, mm. there's a couple different ways you can do it. You could, I mean, and again, it's, and it's all, there's, Colm deals with it in the most selfish way. Mm. He cuts him off cold turkey, doesn't explain it, and then acts all indignant that he just won't leave him alone. Right. Yeah. And that's some gaslighty bullshit. Mm. So like, you, you tell a person, hey, this is where I'm at. You don't let them come to you for like a day and a half or a week or like whatever. You let them know this is it or whatever. Or or you want an easier route? Wait for them to piss you off, blow up at them, <laughs> make a big fucking deal, and then just never come back. Because then people at least have a narrative and can close a chapter or do whatever when you are not receptive to apologies. Like there are ways, social intonations that you can do that with. And Colin, Colin doesn't. Yeah. And and again, I go back to the fucking analogy. Like it's just it's so telling about like the way the politicking was going on at the time. Mm. Uh it, oh god. Uh it's this movie's so fucking good. It's okay. I, I I don't know. Anyway, yeah. uh, this, everyone go see is, it. <laughs> yeah, go see it. Because yeah. this has been the only podcast about the film uh The Banshees of Ira Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Uh, Ed Sheeran, the yeah. the the, the <laughs> Your body is a wonder. That's not it. That's no, not a, What's, a, a what's an Ed Mayer. Sheeran song? I don't know. There was a body song. Uh, everyone, write on us the... in. Only movie podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. What's your favorite Ed Sheeran song uh, <laughs> that we don't you... know? Yeah, and is there one that has the word banshee in it? Mm. Uh, that would be weird. Next week, Shahir. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna be doing a, a film, right? That's what we do. Right. Uh, yeah. Cool. Mars Marcel with the shoes on, right? Sure, let's go for it. Hey, when we are not accidentally uh, forgetting to plug our own devices and going right into the film we're doing next week, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me at my <laughs> website, <laughs> Sorry, hey, I, I just got to stop there. I just got an email that just kind of annoyed me for a second. So let me uh, let me circle back. Let me just gather myself. Sure. Uh, uh, what was your question? Maybe I'll just do this. But actually, hold on. I'm actually getting ahead of myself. Shahir, when you are not listening to me forget to prompt us to do our own plugs at the end of episodes before talking about the films we're going to be doing next, where can folks find you? You can find me missing all the references to every movie that we've ever done on my website at www.shahirdad.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are recounting the history of Ireland, where can people find you? You can find me doing it poorly here or way better because I'm reading other people's words over on Extra History uh, or my website, M-A-T-T-H-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram and PSN or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Um, 
Yeah, so back to what we were saying. Uh, we're doing uh, Marcel in the shell with the shoes and the, and the shoes uh, no and shirt, the, no she's service. She's wearing pants, probably. Uh, yeah, she's got legs and she knows how to use them. Um, I think she does, actually. Uh, <laughs> d- uh, I don't know. Anyway, I I've, I literally know nothing about that movie, so I'm psyched to just like pop it on and go in blind. Uh, yeah, um, the, the YouTube shorts are delightful. Jenny nice. Slate as well as the voice. Hey, hey, very cool. Love Jenny Slate. All right, well, we will talk at you next week. Until then, please uh, thank you for letting us join your work session, your dinner, your toilet time. We don't know, uh, but we really do appreciate you uh, putting us into your brain pan because, uh, I don't know, we like talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye.